Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, question, question, okay? Answer honestly. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? How many of you made resolutions? Wow, just a couple, a couple, okay, good. Well, if you did, like some of you are embarrassed, you're like, I'm, maybe I did, but maybe I didn't. Um, you're in good company. You go, how so? Well, research have found, researchers have found that actually one-third of Americans make resolutions every single new year. I'm going to make this resolution, right? And it's human nature. You go, how so? Well, when we pass a significant kind of like milestone, like a new year from 2016 to 2017, right? We, we go, man, I've got to, we, we tend to pause a little bit. We tend to just kind of evaluate and, and oftentimes we go, oh man, there's some areas in my life I need improvement. There's some areas I really need to improve. In these areas, well, oftentimes they resolved and change fairly consistent, right? You go like, well, what's the number one resolution? It's two. Lose weight. Everybody says, I'm going to lose weight, right? And, and uh, my resolution is I'm going to gain weight. That's just going to be easier for me. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A resolution is exercise, right? We're going to get a exercise. My wife works at a gym, and at this time of year, it's always packed. People coming in going, I have my New Year's resolution. I have my New Year's resolution. Well, the problem is, guys, is that it's human nature to fail. Most resolutions last how long? Three days to three weeks. Come February, let's be honest, we've even forgotten about the resolution, right? Somebody asked you in February, so how's that weight thing going? What weight thing? <laughs> Pass the barbecue sauce, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, but again, research has found, guys, that less than 10% actually succeed in resolutions. And you go, why? Why do, we, why do we make resolutions and why do we not succeed? Well, let me tell you why. Because people oftentimes set unrealistic goals for themselves. Instead of saying, I want to lose 10 pounds, they go, I'm going to lose 100. Or they'll make resolutions at once like eating right or quitting smoking or reading their Bible every day or spending time in prayer. These are all wonderful things. But two or three days into it, they're overwhelmed by the number of changes. And we often fail because we underestimate how difficult the change is. And some fail in their resolutions because they lack the commitment necessary to follow through. They've developed a pattern of quitting whenever an experience gets difficult. And so they've grown to accept, as a matter of fact, they've even to expect failure. All of this has led to reject New Year's resolutions. That's why, did you see how many hands were raised when I said how many of you made? We, we've come to the place where we go, I'm not making a resolution, right? Because as the thinking goes, why attempt something when you're doomed to fail? Why pretend that change is possible when you know you're going to blow it? That's our mindset. To some, resolution, resolution making is a waste of time because, well, it leaves you feeling worse about yourself. So here's my plea to you. Today, church, let's not make resolutions. Let's not make a resolution. How about we do this? Let's live by some simple rules that will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our city, to our state, and even our country. Let me say that again. Maybe you didn't hear me. I say, let's not do resolutions. Let's take some rules, some goals that will do this that will reach Jesus Christ in our city, 
in our state and in our country. Remember what Jesus told us, right? As he, as he descended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Luke's the writer, but he says this, but you, church, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? It's the city of Lubbock. And then Jesus goes on to say, in Judea. Where's our Judea? It's Texas. Where is Samaria? Samaria is right? The United States. And then he says, and to the end of the earth, guys, we have a mission. We are called to be on mission, right? That's what we need to do. Lubbock, Texas, USA, and the world. So first and foremost, what do we need? We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You go, why? Well, rules or even resolutions without the Holy Spirit governing us, guys, listen, it's not going to accomplish anything. We may not even wait three days. Our resolution may be broke today. Hey, I promise I'm going to eat good. Wait, somebody said roses? I'm going to go eat there. You know, I mean, whatever it might be. So we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. But these eight simple rules, church, with the power of the Holy Spirit will help us do more than ever before. And you say, Pastor, how do we do that? Well, what we're going to do is interrupt the Apostle Paul's testimony here in Philippians to hone into something specific that will help us to look forward in this new year. So if your Bibles are open, Philippians chapter 8, we're going to pick Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Notice what Paul is saying. He says, Yet indeed, I also call I count all things lost for the excellence and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Your attention, please, before we move on. What is Paul saying? He's saying, guys, there needs to be in our lives today, there needs to be a affection and love for Jesus Christ, where everything else in our life we count as rubbish. We need, I mean, if, if we're going to make our lives count for Jesus, if we're going to make our lives count, Paul here is saying, listen, everything I've ever done, everything is, is, he says, is rubbish so that I could gain Christ. And then he goes in verse 9 and he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is a form of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, our righteousness, which is from God by faith. Okay, here's our first goal. You ready? Jot this down. First goal for 2017, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from our dead. Guys, this should be our goal. And we do have these goals. You go, what is that? Well, what's the first thing Paul says? He says, man, listen, here's, here's my goal. You ready? That I may know Jesus. That I may know. The word know there in the Greek is a really interesting word. It's actually, it's gnosko, and it means to know by experience. Listen, for you and I, we know a lot about Jesus, but do we really know him by experience? Some of us, our hearts are crying out to hear his voice in this holiday season. Some of us are going, God, are you still there? I don't feel like you're there. And Paul says, here's my goal. 
If Paul was sitting in this church right now with us guys, he would be saying, here's my goal for 2017, that I may know Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Ready? And he says, the second thing I want to know is I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And that's a good thing too. Knowing Jesus means knowing this power, the new life that's empowered in us now, not when we die. I want to know that power, the power of his resurrection. I want to know God. I want to know the power. And we say amen to that too, don't we? One commentator put it this way. He wants us to know in an experimental way the power of Christ's resurrection. That is, he wants to to experience the same power that raised Christ from the dead, surging through his own being, overcoming sin in his life, and producing the Christian graces. Notice what he says. Our goal for 2017, guys, is this. I want to know the Lord. I want to know what? I want to know the power of his resurrection, but notice what he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Did you hear that? Did you hear the screeching record stop? Why? Because we don't want to know God in his sufferings. We don't want to know God in his sufferings, guys. Our goal is to know him. And you go, what does that mean? It's a privilege when he says, knowing Jesus also means knowing the fellowship of his sufferings is all part of following Jesus. And being in Christ, we can say that suffering is part of our heritage as children of God. We get to be part of the family of sufferings. Now, I get it, church. That's not what we're taught on the TV. It's not what we're taught. We're taught, hey, you're a Christian. You're the head and not the tail. And we get all this stuff. But Paul here says, listen, if you're going to be in the family of the believers, you're going to be a a Jesus follower, there are going to be a time in your life when you will suffer. It's all part of the family. It's all part of knowing God even more. Even more. How much do you really want to know him when you're walking? You have nothing else to hold on to. You grab God and you're just like, Lord, that's all I have. People will try to comfort you with, with, with verses or stories or whatever it might be. But in the deepest of your heart, church, you want to know Jesus because the suffering you have, you know he's the only one. He's the only one. You got to have that. We don't like this part. Nobody preaches this part. Pastor Ben, that's really deep for 2017. Paul said it. I didn't. If it was me, I would have stopped right there. I want to know you, God. I want to know the power of your resurrection. Hallelujah. Right, and I'd have moved on. Paul says, no. As a matter of fact, the, the, the third part of this goal, he says, I want to be conformed to his death. What does that mean? Guys, when we take our final breath on earth, guys, don't you want it to be glorifying to God? Let me just say this real quick and then we'll move on, okay? Let me just say this real quick. Listen, here's our goal. You ready? Here's our goal for 2017. That we don't simply go, I'm okay to die for God, but I want to live for God. I want to live radically for God. I want, I want the power of the resurrection to move through me. I want to see people come to know the Lord. I want to be at my boss, at my job, and I want to just, I want to share the gospel and just be blown away. Why? Because the power is so real and so amazing that people are starting to come to know Jesus. People who have maybe been hurt by the church, people who are maybe unchurched, they have no idea what the church is all about. And all of a sudden, that you're living so radically 
That's what he says. And then when we come to die, like Josh said, when we come to die, we're just like, man. Our goal should be, guys, is that when we take our final breath, that this church and any church is packed because the life that you lived was such a legacy that people were coming to celebrate. That's what I want. Man, I want my life to be so, I'm just so glorified with, for God that when, when, it, when I'm gone, don't you all cry for me. You rejoice and you party. And you play catchphrase. Or no, don't play catchphrase. Never mind. <laughs> Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Paul goes on and he says, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Second goal for 2017. Ready? Verse 13. Second goal. Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. What's our goal, church? What's our goal? Our goal is to forget those things which are behind. Reach forward to all those things that he has ahead. Let's, let's press on towards the goal. What's the goal? The prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Can I, just, can I just say this? Every one of us in this room is called by God. Every one of us in this room. There ain't no special calling. Well, pastor, you were called to be up there. Every one of us is called. And we need to move forward. And we need to move forward. So with that as our intro, church, right? Paul gave us two goals. We know what they are. I want to know Christ. And he says, and I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to reach forward. With that as our intro, guys, let's go and let's see eight simple rules, eight simple rules for this coming year. Okay, jot these down. Okay, they're going to help you. And then we're going to talk about them next week as a church. Eight simple rules. You guys ready? If you're taking notes, here's rule number one. Here's how we're going to live in 2017. Number one, we need to see our failures as new beginnings and not as an end. We need to see our failures as new beginnings. And that's a great rule, is it not? Why? Because I understand the fear of failure. But at the same time, all of us have areas in our lives that need improvement. But let me tell you this, it's been said that we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. The problem is, is that failure tends to paralyze us. We make a mistake and we're like, I'm never going to try again. <sighs> you want to try that? No, I failed bad. That was, that was horrible. What'd you learn? I learned a lot of stuff, but I ain't doing that again. No, 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 no. We, we need to look at it, guys. You, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. January, right, is ripe for seeing our failures as new beginnings. Do you know why? Well, check this out. The month of January, here's a little trivia if you ever play Jeopardy. The month of, of, the month called January because the Romans named it after their god Janus, it depicted of having two faces, one looking back to the year, Right? With regret and the other face looking forward to the new year with hope. That's the God Janus. That's how we get our, our, our year January, our month January. The Romans understood that the start of a new year can't help but be hopeful for improvement. 
So today, guys, as you look back at 2016, and maybe you get together as a family and you open a, a bottle of apple cider, whatever you, you know, sparkling cider, and you sit there and you just think about all of 2016, there may be some things that you're just going, man, I'm glad it's gone. But there might be going, okay, so I want to look forward. Let me ask you a question. Did anybody fail in 2016? Of course we did. We've made mistakes. We've failed. But don't let it paralyze you. Here's what we want to do. We want to do exactly what Paul said. You guys ready? Forget what is behind you. Why? If you don't, the past failures will start to define you. And starting today, guys, we're going to try. And if we fail, we're going to learn that it's a new beginning. That it's a new beginning. At Calvary Chapel, we're a church, we're a body, we're a family. Let us together make out, just let us make out, let's just go make mistakes. Oh, well, not intentionally, but if we're not trying, let us not be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid to make mistakes this year, guys. One ball player, for those of you that like baseball, set the major league record for strikeouts with 1,316 strikeouts. The same player set a record for five consecutive strikeouts in a World Series game. The holder of both records was who? The great slugger, Babe Ruth. Did you know that? See, we, all, we, we, just, look at, we just look at, wow, he hit how many home runs? Guys, remember this, and this is profound. You ready? Failure is an event, never a person. Let me say that again. Failure is an event, never a person. Notice the difference between what happens when the man says, I failed three times, and what happens when he says, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. That's so different, church. That's so different. Rule number two. You ready? Ready to move on? Rule number two. Here's what we're going to do. 2017, we're going to need to take risks. If we don't, we'll never know what God wants to do. We need to take risks. Church, I get it. We're, we're creatures of comfort, aren't we? We like things the same way. This whole, this whole holiday season has thrown me off. Why? Because I like our Sundays and I like our Wednesdays and I like everything in order. But listen, listen. It's hard to take, it hard, it's hard to take risks, isn't it? Why? Because the unknown is super hard. So what do you mean take risks, Ben? Church, will you, will you agree with me that this year, and, and I'm going to hold you to this, guys. Will you agree with me this year, guys, that we're going to step out in faith and do more for God? We're going to step out in faith. You go, well, well, like what? Well, you know our third core value, guys, is what? Is live radically, right? What's the first one? Love God. Second one is love people. And the third one is live radically. Well, part of our subcore of the, of the third um, core value is this. We will go deeper and pioneer. With our faith in God, we will take aggressive steps of faith, launching into deeper waters so that God can do more. Launching into deeper waters so God could do more. Listen to this story, okay? Listen to this story. When Jim Burke became the head of the new products division at Johnson & Johnson, okay, one of his first projects was the development of a children's chest rub. The product failed miserably. 
and Burke expected that he would be fired. When he was called to see the chairman of the board, however, he met a surprising reception. Quote, are you the one who just cost us all that money? Said Robert Wood Johnson. Well, I just want to congratulate you, he said. If you're making mistakes, that means you're taking risks. And we won't grow unless you take risks. Some years later, when Burke himself became the chairman of J&J, he continued to spread that word. How many of us, even today, use the, the, the vapor rub that we put on our chest or anything else? Guys, listen. Listen. We need to take risks. Um, it was Hudson Taylor that said, A great man of faith who founded the China Inland Mission integrated faith and risk, and he said, unless there is an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Church, starting today, starting today, listen to me, we're going to take risks. Well, Pastor, what if we fail? Then we'll learn and we'll move on. We're going to step out in faith, and here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you that we're going, that you would do the same. Will you join with me? And you go, what does that mean? First and foremost, guys, that you would trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to do what? Here's what we're going to need starting this year, okay? We're going to need campus pastors, okay? We're going to need men to step up and move and be a campus pastor. Guys, we have been praying for a church plant in Seminole for a year now. There's a group of people that keep calling us and saying, would you come out? And if we can't go out there, we need a campus pastor to go out and facilitate everything, and we'll broadcast this to the screen, but that's what we're going to need. We're going to need people to do that. You go, what else? Guys, we're going to need a radio station manager. You know, we're on the radio now, we're reaching a lot of people, but God wants us to do more. We need a radio station. We'll talk about more next week. Well, you know what else we need here, guys? We need high-capacity volunteers. High capacity. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not asking you to be a pastor. I'm saying a high capacity volunteer that will go out and take the, the, the city by storm. Church, I think it's time we plant some churches, don't you? If in 2017, we're getting ready to, to see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ anytime soon, I mean, we need to get out and we need to put the, we need to get, we need the, the expository Bible teaching in other, in other cities. Church, we need to raise up more leaders. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take risks. Number three, rule number three for 2017. Ready? Always do more than expected. In other words, under promise and over deliver. Under promise and over deliver. Can we say that together? Under promise and over deliver. Why? Guys, Solomon tells it like this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Solomon adds a new dimension as he counsels concerning life. You go, what's that? Though much of life is futile, one must grasp its opportunities and use them to the fullest for serving God. Guys, listen, listen. What he's, I mean, think about this. We need to always do more than, ex, than, it's, than expected of us. 
always do more than is expected. I, I think of the cartoon, think about this cartoon, shows a fourth grade boy standing toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with his teacher. Behind them stares a blackboard covered with math problems that the boy hasn't finished. With rare perception, the boy says, I'm not an underachiever, you're an over-expector. That's not us, is it? Why? Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to under-promise, and then we're going to over-deliver. That's the rule, guys. Always do more. Why? Because you represent Jesus. And, and listen, people need to see Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit is living in us, guess who they're going to see? They're going to see Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't know if they're going to see Jesus if I make mistakes. They will. Because they realize you're human, but they want to see, see something. They want to see hope. We are living in a hopeless world, and they need to see hope. And so that's what we're going to do. Let us, guys, under-promise and over-deliver. How about rule number four? You ready? Jot this down. Assume nothing and question everything. What? Assume nothing and question everything. Now, this is an interesting rule, to assume nothing. You go, well, how do we apply it? Okay. There is a forbidden phrase in leadership that we should never say. A forbidden phrase. You go, what's that phrase? It is, it's, it's simply this. Our people won't. That's a forbidden phrase. Some variations include this. My team never. My staff won't. Our volunteers don't. My kids won't do that. This is a forbidden phrase phrase. Why? Because anytime we use that phrase, and trust me, church, I need to ask your forgiveness because I've used that. We've had, we've had leadership meetings and I'm going, our people won't. And, uh, and, and, and that's a forbidden phrase. Why? Because when we do this, we're casting blame. We're going, oh, I don't know. Well, here's what we're going to do, guys. Here's what we're going to do. Our church this year is to assume nothing. I'm not going to go, well, listen, we're going to put on this event, but our church won't come. Our church won't do this. Our people, we live, well, what's the biggest one? We live in Lubbock, Texas. Guys, we've got a good product. We got great worship. We got the word of God. We've got a great building. There is no reason, no reason, no reason why we can't take the gospel of Jesus Christ from here in the pulpit and just explode this city. Well, pastor, I've got a question. Is it that you just want a big church? No, 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 no. Listen, our job is not to build a church. Our job is to build a kingdom. There's only one church in Lubbock, Texas. We just meet in different barns. But here's what we need. We need people who are going to step up and say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm all in. Why? Why? Because we need people resources, guys. We need financial resources. We need to build a radio station. We need to get solid Bible teaching out in Lubbock, Texas. This is home. I'm not going anywhere. This is home. We're family. And I'm not going to let you go anywhere either. We're family. 
And we need to take this. And again, what are we going to do, guys? We're going to not say the forbidden phrase. We're not, we're, we're going to question. We're not going to assume anything. Well, it, Easter's coming. What are we going to do for Easter, church? What are we going to do for Easter? We're going to do the same old thing we've always done. No, not this year. Not with us. We, we don't have much time. We need to reach people for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. We need to reach people for Jesus. What are we going to do for Easter? What's our goal? Don't, don't leave it up to me. Why? Because we're family. And if, and, if, and if you don't agree with me, I'll start singing that song until you, until you agree with me. And you don't want me to sing, although I sound very good right now. <laughs> Assume nothing, question everything. Why is this going to work? Why can't we do this? Why? Why? Let's do this. Number five, rule number five. How much time do I have? Oh, we're good. Awesome. Rule number five. Ready? This is, for, this is for you guys. Make peace with the past. Make peace with the past. The prophet Isaiah says it like this, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall, be, now it shall spring forth, and you shall know it. And I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Guys, he's doing a new thing, but we can't hold on to the past. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go, right? Listen, listen, guys. We are notorious for holding on to the past. We are notorious for allowing the past to direct our future. That's not who you are anymore. Last time I checked, you guys are fearfully and wonderfully made. Last time I checked, you are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away. All things are new. Guys, listen. The past is the past. Guys, listen. We allow it to dictate our lives because we haven't made peace with it. We haven't made peace with it. Next week, I'm going to share how we are in, this is starting our 13th year. And for 12 years, we have to make peace with that. Right, Pastor Self? We have to make peace with the, with the 12 years. We've done some stuff. We've made mistakes. It's done. We can't keep looking back going, well, I don't know. We got to go, okay, all right. We're making peace with the past. It was Warren Wearsby who says, he says this, why were the former, day, for, former days better than these? Do not move ahead by consistently looking in the rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. Guys, we, we've got a rear... How, how big is your rearview mirror? It's definitely not as big as your windshield, is it? Why? It's, it's for you to look... Simply, okay, but, but I need to go forward. I need to go forward. Guys, listen, here, here it is. Let me say this again. This is so deep. I want you to take this home with you, okay? You go, what's that? The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. Wow. Wow. Guys, it's time for us in our, in our personal lives, in our church lives, to make peace with the past.
because we can't move forward if we're, if we're dragged down by the anchor of the past. We can't move forward. We can't do what God wants us to do. And you realize that you've got an enemy out there that wants to constantly bring up the past. Well, do you remember when you did? Do you remember when you did? Well, you remember how you did this? Or you remember when you didn't? Man. If I listen to that booger, guess what? I get so depressed. Why? Because my past stinks. And I need to make peace with it. It's done. Church, can we, can we agree the past is done? We, I want to go back to 2016 or 2008 or anything. I'm, I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to move forward. I'm making peace with the past. That's the only way God's going to be glorified in the future. How about this? Rule number six. Stop overthinking things. Act on it. Stop over. Do I have any overthinkers in here? Do I have any overthinkers? Oh, my goodness. Nothing ever gets done with us. If you put all us overthinkers in a room, we'll just... You, you go, what does that mean? Well, here's what we are. We're, we're a group. We're a group, right? We have T-shirts. You know what it's called? It's called the paralysis of analysis. That's what we are. It's the paralysis of analysis, right? Because we're busy over... Oh, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. Well, let's think about it some more. And sometimes we'll even use the word prayer in a way of thinking. Well, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Oh, we're, we're praying about it. And then we see the train go by and we're like, that's our train. Yep, that was, huh? I wonder how the tracks work. Because we're th- overthinking. Here's what God wants us to do. You ready? Buy a ticket, get on the train. Let's not get paralyzed, guys, from overthinking stuff. We need to act on it. What does that mean? Listen, if it's a, if it's a, a church in Littlefield or if it's a church in Seminole or if it's a radio station or it's a bigger building, guys, listen, we've been here 12 years. It's time to have a bigger building and the kids have a place to play. And the, and, and, and the playground, and the youth room, and we need to go for it. Pastor, we don't have any money. God does. Let's trust the Lord. Maybe God's going to use one of you as you're driving around to go, hey, that would be a great Calvary. Oh, I'm not going to tell Pastor Ben. We're going to do something. We're going to do something. You go, well, what if we don't? Well, then we've got this great building here. And don't you dare judge a book by its cover. You drive up to the shopping center and go, oh. And you come in and you go, oh, wow. This is good. This is good. Stop overthinking things, guys. So many times when we overthink what God wants us to do, we think about it, we think about it, we think about it, we think about it, then it's too late. (sighs) It's too late when we are to move on to something. We're not going to do that this year. We're going to stop overthinking. We're just going to say, okay, God, are you in this? You in it? Okay. But he's got to raise up some of y'all. He's got to raise you up, right? Because we're a team. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't know if you guys get this or not, but when he calls a pastor to a church, he doesn't give them all the gifts. You guys tracking with me? He doesn't do that because God says, listen, I'm going to give Pastor Ben, here's my gifts. I have the gift of teaching and the gift of evangelism. And some of you have an amazing gift at administration, which I don't have. We're in this as a team.
Guys, we're not going to do this. You go, what is, what's the definition of overthinking? Guys, to think about it too much for too long. And when we do that, we never step out in faith. Well, what if we step out in faith and make a mistake? Well, then we fool to what? Rule number one. <laughs> we're going to make mistakes. We're going to go, huh. We learned that. Amen. Are we going to try it again? Yeah, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay, rule number seven. Rule number seven. Never compare yourselves to others. Never compare. Guys, we are who God made us to be for his glory. We need to recognize that God has purposely made us the way we are for his glory. How many of us men sometimes go, man, I wish my wife was more like me? Are you silly? Aren't you just glad your wife is different? Huh? How silly that would be. God has made you... Spe- I mean, here's the thing, guys. Look around. Look around. We're all different. God's made us so different. So different. For his glory. I'm just like, but what are we constantly doing? We're constantly comparing ourselves to, to others. Right? constantly. Galatians puts it like this. We studied Galatians last year. And uh, boy, that sounds weird, huh? Last year. But um, it's, let me read it to you in the message version. Chapter six, four through six says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given. Then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can do with your own life. Be very sure now You have been trained to be self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous common life with those who have been trained, who have trained you, sharing all good things that you have and experience, okay? Let me give you three reasons why we shouldn't compare ourselves. And next week, we're going to talk about comparing ourselves to other churches. We're not going to do it, but let me give you three reasons. Number one, others' so-called perfection is just an illusion, When you look at somebody else and you're like, man, I wish my life looked like that, or I wish my, you know, it's just an illusion. I think Sticks saying it right, welcome to the grand illusion. That's what it was. It's an illusion. People aren't perfect. You guys ready? Remember what we talked about last year? We are as is people, and we're just different. Number two, ready? You know why we shouldn't compare ourselves to that? Because life isn't fair. Do you ever grow up saying, life isn't fair, life isn't fair? Newsflash, <laughs> life isn't fair. And number three, comparison turns friends and allies into rivals. Comparison turns friends and allies into rivals. You go past to the point, guys, be who you are. Be who you are. He made you just the way you are. If your personality is loud and boisterous, that's who you are. If, you're per- if, this is how you, if this is how you get excited, that's who you are. Right? Your team scores a touchdown and you're like this. Aren't you excited? Everybody's like, wow, that's exciting. Don't, don't invite him to our parties. That's who you are. 
And some of you are like, and you're just like this. Wow. Right? Some of you worship like this. Others worship like this. It's okay. Why? Because we're all different. Right? Pastor, the point, here it is, guys. Don't compare yourself to others. You are who you are. And you are who God made you. You are who God made you. Rule number eight. Ready? Eight simple rules. Here's rule number eight. Teach others what you know. Teach others what you know. Guys, this one rule we need to live by this year. You know what it's called? It's called discipleship. It's called discipleship. Okay? So let's break this down for just a moment. William Ward has said this, and I love it. You ready? Jot this down. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, but the great teacher inspires. Listen, this year from this pulpit, we want to inspire you to do more and go deeper and and walk stronger with God. Why? Why? This is what we're about, guys. We don't want to just come up and go, all right, here is the Bible. Turn there and let's... We don't want that. We want to inspire. Listen, if you're not talking about this sermon tomorrow, then I didn't do my job. If you're not worshiping Jesus tomorrow, then I didn't do my job. Why? Because a great teacher inspires you. A great teacher inspires you to look at the scripture that I just taught and dig more for yourself, guys. The word of God is this. The word of God is so shallow that a child can play in it, but it's so deep that an elephant can drown in it. We've got to get there. Teach others what you know, discipleship. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, And these things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men, and I would even add women, who are able to teach others. Guys, listen, that's what he's saying. He's saying, this is what we need to do. We need to teach others what we know. We are about to install in 2017, I'm going to touch on them, but I'll talk about it next week. We're going to install what we call next steps, right? So we can teach others what we know. You go, what are the next steps? Somebody's new to Calvary. We have visitors. Glad you're here. We have visitors, and and you're new to Calvary. Well, the first thing we want to do, the next step after coming and saying, yep, this is where we want to be, is we want to get him connected. That's the second step. We want to get him connected. A lot of people won't go to church because they don't feel connected. They don't feel like they're part, and we we want to get people connected. Sometimes we're so careful and, and we, wanna, we want them to come in and we want them to like our church and we want them to grow with us and then we don't see them when we miss the connection. Church, we, need, we can't be thinking somebody else is going to connect with them. We can't be thinking, well, I don't, we got to connect. And then after the connection, what do you do? Then we need to get them in discipleship where they're starting to grow. Listen, I, I don't know what the numbers were last year, but this year we're starting. We're going to decide how many people get saved here, and we want them to grow. We want them to grow. They need to be part in a discipleship class. Okay? And then what happens next? After grow, you need to serve. You need to serve. In some capacity or another, that's what God has called us to do. We're saved to serve. And you have a beautiful gift. I don't know what it is. But you got a gift. You got a gift for this church, and you got a gift, and we need to use that gift. 
How many people go up to, to the pastor in churches and go, oh, use me, just use me, pastor. I want God to use me. And then when we start to use you, you go, I feel so used. <laughs> why do we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we don't understand that we're supposed to serve. We're supposed, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to serve. I'm so exhausted. Praise God. Praise God. Are you making a difference? I, I think so. Right? And then what? After you serve, our next step is lead. Lead. We need leaders. We need leaders. So there you have it, guys. No resolutions, two goals, eight simple rules for 2017. Okay, so let's recap, right? Let's recap under the guise of worship as Josh makes his way up here. What do we need to do? Number one, here's what we just talked about. Number one, we need to see our failures as new beginnings, not as an end. That's the first thing. Number two, we need to take risks. Anybody willing to take a risk with me this year? Anybody? Three of you? Great. Let's try this again. Let's pretend there's a camera. How many of you is willing to take a risk with us? All right. I love it. Number three. You guys get to know me better. I mean, come on. This, this, I'm always, always do more than, in, than is expected. In other words, under promise and over deliver. Number four. Let's assume nothing. Question everything. Why, why, why are we doing this? Let's go. Why, Right? What event are we going to do next? Well, I don't know, but we're going to love God, love people, and we're going to live radically. Number five, make peace with the past. Anybody willing to do that this year? Make peace with the past? It's done. Can't go back. I don't want to go back. Make peace with the past. You guys are getting this. Is this helping anyone? Number six, stop overthinking things. Let's just act on it. What if we make a mistake? We learn. I've learned more from my failures than I have the successes, guys. And I'm still willing to try. You know that, I think it was, what was it, four years ago? We sent out 20,000, was it four? Four years ago, church, we sent out 20,000 flyers for Easter. And we got, we got a couple of people out of those 20,000 households, and we were so bummed. And we pretty much vowed as a leadership, we're just done. We just, we need to make peace with that. We need to say, that was done. We got a new group of people. We got, we got new hearts that are, we got the Lord. And so we're going to act on it. Number seven, never compare yourselves to others. You need to look in the mirror and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm loved by God and he has a plan for my life. And then number eight, guys, teach others. Teach others what you know. Can we do this? Can we do this? One service. We're going to have cake and ice cream. You know, I started this message by saying, listen, no resolutions. We need rules. We need goals. But none of this is going to work without what? 
the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe today, maybe today you just need a fresh feeling of God's Holy Spirit. You know the rules. You're like, man, I'm with you, pastor, let's go. But you're going, oh, I don't know. Maybe you just need, maybe you just need to be prayed for. Maybe today you go, Pastor, I just, want, I just want the filling of the Holy Spirit. I just want, I need the power. Maybe you're here and you're going, I don't even know what that means. Well, here's where it gets weird. No, no, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, three prepositions. Before we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. When we get saved, he, then he comes in us and, and he's our conscience and he's our guide. But in order to be a witness in Lubbock and to be a witness in Texas and to be a witness in the world or into the United States and in the world, the Holy Spirit has to come upon us. And maybe that's what we need. Let me, let me liken it like this, okay? Your car works good on gas until it runs out of gas. It would be silly for you to buy a brand new car, fill it up with gas, then take the gas area, right? And lock it up and say, I'm never putting gas again in there. And then you drive it and then you can, it's locked up. You can't put any more gas in. The car just ends up running out of gas and that's it. Well, that's how we are spiritually. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're excited. And then we always need a constant feeling, guys, of the Holy Spirit. Constant feeling. That's our goal. And if you need prayer for the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray for you. You go, well, what, what does it feel like? Well, it's just really simple. We're just going to say, Lord, may the Holy Spirit come upon you. As we, as we close, here's what I want to tell you. Next week, part two, I want to get very specific in what God wants us to do. Very specific. We're going to take these same rules, okay? But, but how are we going to put them into play? And maybe God's going to stir your heart this week. And you go, man, I want to be, I want to be part of something. I've always had a good radio voice. We need you. Maybe you got great business sense. I, I don't, whatever God wants to do, but next week we're going to do this. But listen, can I, just, can I just pray this, guys? I don't want this to just fall on deaf ears or we come to church and we're excited and we walk out. and let's, 2017, it's going to be New Year's Day every single week here at Calvary. New Year's Day, why? Because we need to continue to remind ourselves of where we want to go and what we want to do. It's not for us. It's so that we can build the kingdom of God. Because I know this, don't be fooled, guys. Our city is filled with people who are hurting and broken and lost and on their way to hell. And God is going to employ us as believers and followers to be used like never before. Our goal isn't to get our name in the newspaper or on the on TV station, guys. Our goal is just to see people who were stranded in sin, stranded in darkness, set free. You know what our goal is? Is to populate heaven and depopulate hell. What's better than going to heaven? Taking somebody with you. And that's our goal. So I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to do. If you, if you just want prayer, um, if you just want prayer, 
Um, I'm going to ask the pastors to come up and stand right here. And if you just need prayer for anything starting this new year, you just come on up. Don't be, don't, don't worry about what people think. Say we got Pastor Soph and is Terry out there or is he? Is he Terry's going to come up here. Guys, don't be afraid. Father, we thank you for your great love. And Father, we're praying. And we just love you, Lord. And as we worship you, Lord, we just we just give you now this time. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, I need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see you? I just need a fresh, amen, amen, amen. If you need prayer, as Josh leads us in worship, guys, to start the new year, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat. Come ask one of these pastors just to pray for you. And believe God. We're believing together that God wants to do incredible things. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.